What is up, designers, and welcome to the Grand Design Podcast. It's Dallas speaking to you. Uh, I popped in on this quick impromptu podcast because I wanted to, you know, kind of explain, you know, the danger behind an action that I was just about to partake in um, that a lot of you might be, you know, partaking in right now at this very moment due to the pressures that you might feel from uh, the quote-unquote global pandemic, uh, the virus that's going around, Okay. Uh, and I kind of want to bring it back to the beginning of my quote unquote business journey. <laughs> and I say quote unquote, cause I don't really want this to be a business podcast. It's a podcast about mass movements, um, and the global design, uh, which the vehicle for that is business. But anyhow, uh, in the beginning of 2018, January of 2018, um, I wasn't really in a good place, you know, at the forefront of my mind, literally almost all the time was escape escape from the life that I was living, escape from the pains that I was feeling, escape from everything, you know, um, literally, man, I was working at the target, the local target on the night shift working, you know, five hour nights, which is not much, but it was a lot of, you know, when you're someone, when you're a designer and you see a greater design, a grander design rather (laughs) for the world, it really pains you to not partake into that design. And so I was working Target at the night shift. I wasn't working a lot of hours, but man, it was killing me. Like it was whooping my, you know, all in the, you know, up and down the street every single night. You know, I would go to bed at like 12 a.m. in the morning and get up at 3.30 a.m. and sprint to work because it was a, a mile and, you know, a little bit of change away, 1.3 miles away in the middle of winter of January, right? And uh, I did that, you know, probably three, four, five times a week, you know, 20 hours a week, five, you know, five days, four days a week. And um, it sucked. Everything about it sucked. And everything about it sucked motivated me to escape, to move to a different life. You know, I would go home every day and I would be, you know, sometimes I would be in a position where the people around me weren't the most agreeable. You know, they wouldn't feel my hypothesis, my theories, my ideas. I felt like I was trapped in a culture of people who didn't understand uh, some of the things that I was thinking. You know, my parents are brilliant, by the way very smart people but you know for some reason we just misinterpreted each other a lot you know during that particular time period you know i would go and sometimes voice my concerns in other venues maybe friendships and relationships and i wasn't well received pretty much anywhere and so i wanted to escape from my life i wanted to escape from my own skin i wanted to escape from my own shell and i wanted to escape from my own identity you know though historically in my life i've been motivated by what could be by the reward of it there's also always been particularly in moments of pain an element of running away from that punishment and so that was the highlight of my life for a lot of the time a highlight of my mind for a lot of time you know especially when i was in the thick of this storm of understanding and wanting so much more and working and being compressed and squeezed into this place in society at this job that was literally crushing and killing me every single day crushing and killing and melting and destroying the ideas that I was having destroying the frameworks uh of how I saw my own life you know I was you know I was I was man I was battered by that place battered by the management battered when I came home battered you know not, not literally by the way battered but just figuratively and I was on my last leg when I thought of the design for uh, the Beat Buddy system, um, you know, so the Beat Buddy system, it started in January of 2018. And the entire idea with the, of the system was, okay, I want to send out beats, you know, every weekend um, so that rappers could use them and rappers can rap over them and enjoy the beat, you know, and uh, 
you know, uh, the, the idea was this is my, I'll send out like two beats every weekend, but there were levels that you could be in. You know, you get four beats if you pay nine ninety nine a month. You get eight beats if you pay, you know, certain price a month. And the tiers, it was like three tiers or something like that. And uh, basically what I would do to, you know, my, my idea of selling this product was, you know, or really my idea of how business and everything would work overall was that I would be an overnight success and things would flash to fruition in the instance and I would instantly be able to because this was a highlight of mine escape this job and everybody around me would be happy with me and they would cheer me on and uh I tried so often every conversation to convince them to flip their ideology so that I could have a piece of that paradise right now and have support in these endeavors. I mean, I would say, man, man, this business is going to make a million dollars right now. This business is going to make a million dollars overnight. By the end of the month, we're going to be out of here. And I would envision such a different life for me. And I would envision an escape and from all these things that were tearing me down behind me, all this peril that I was feeling behind me, all this, this lack of love that I was feeling because of the position that I was in, supposedly, you know, I was in a very competitive mindset for that first two years. And that first two years resulted in a lot of loss. Okay. So at the time I was binging a lot of podcasts. I was listening to so much Russell Brunson, so much of these different marketers and experts online. And, you know, the way they describe, you know, like setting up a proper funnel, it seems so easy. Like it would just happen for me. And so, you know, with the limit of my knowledge and really an impatience driven by the pain that I was feeling, and the anxiety that I was feeling generated from that pain and the depressions that I was feeling generated from that pain, everything was supposed to happen very briefly. Everything was compressed into such a short window of my time, short window of time. And so this is kind of what a business or, or a marketing campaign looked like to me. So I had the Beat Buddy system. I set up the website. Boom. And, uh, you know, I set up the, you know, where you could pay me for the subscriptions. I was, it was a Wix, Wix websites and I'm like, okay, well I have the website to have the offer It's completely undeniable. I'm going to get rich. Mind you, I'm competitive. I'm not thinking about other people, how they could benefit. How could I make this product good for them? How could I impact them? I'm just thinking, man, I'm going to get rich. And so this is my idea of how I was going to get rich. Um, I remember that first, uh, time I actually started to operate the beat buddy system. What I did was, is I set up everything, told everybody to quit their job. Not literally, but, you know, I'm saying we're going to do this. You know, I'm smart. I know about business. I've been listening to podcasts for two months and uh, I ran ads to the Beat Buddy System website. And uh, it was about fifty dollars for the whole day or something like that. Fifty dollars daily, something like that. And uh, I envisioned in my mind waking up in the morning to a million dollars. I'm like, man, I'm finally going to be able to quit this job. I'm finally going to get away from all these horrible things that I'm hearing. People are finally stop telling me to go to college. We going to live real life now. We going to live real life now. That's what I thought in my mind so often. And uh, I remember, man, I ran the ads and I was so excited and I went to bed. Like, just imagine because you hear Ty Lopez's story, man. He first started running YouTube ads, man. He blew up. He remember getting 2000 in the middle of the night. Every entrepreneur shares the story of like when they've got that big bag just out of one occasion. And I thought I had it like that. And so I ran the ads and went to sleep. And woke up in the morning. And I'm opening up the, the, the like the, the Wix website, wherever you check the revenue. I don't even remember. I'm checking everything, checking my bank account, checking the PayPal. That's what it was. I opened up PayPal, and there was a big fat zero on the screen. I was like, okay, okay, I might have did something wrong. I might have tweaked something wrong. So I go back, listen to the podcast, trying to find the thing. Oh, this is where I went wrong. Okay, maybe my ad wasn't good enough. Okay. 
but okay, let, let, let's do it again. I wait. I always would wait to Tuesday of you know, of the week because I felt like that was you know that's what would give me the best you know results in terms of how many people see my site for the amount of money that I spent. We get like a hundred people for every fifty dollars. So I go home, right? Run another ad. Boom. On next Tuesday, I go to sleep. Oh man, when I wake up in the morning, it's at least gonna be one sale. It's going I fixed it this time. I, I tweaked it a little bit. Yeah, you know, I wake up in the next morning. Boom, zero dollars. Point zero zero, big fat zero on that PayPal screen. I know everybody experienced this multiple, multiple, multiple times, and it, it, it is a devastating thing. Okay, and I'm like, every time that happened, I'm like, wow, I really have to figure this out. Let's run again on Thursday. Let's run another ad again on Thursday and try to figure it out so the funnel would just work and blow up. Because I really don't want to work when it came to the next day or the next weekend, the next time I had to work. You know, I run ads at work sometimes and just open PayPal a lot of times and keep checking it zero dollars every single time, and it sucked because I'm. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm so adamant about leaving this painful position that I was in. It was a lot of panic associated with having to go back there. And that panic was doubled in situations where there was, you know, um, uh, where there was extra trouble, you know what I mean? Like extra urgency, you know, like, for example, uh, maybe Christmas would come up, um, Valentine's Day or birthday or something like that. And every time I would say, OK, I don't have any money right now. But I have, you know, essentially the credit line of this Facebook ad account um, because, you know, Facebook doesn't charge you up front. You know, you could spend the ads and they'll charge you like at the 19th of the month when it's only the third or something like that. And so I would say, all right, man, look, this birthday's coming up. I have to make money. I absolutely have to make money. And I would in a panic flurry, man, just make a, the best ad I could with the best headline. I remember this, man. I remember uh, even just my girlfriend's last birthday just absolutely crushing like just just complete panic like okay i have to figure out something i built you know i know a little bit more i know so much about ads at this point in time because this is two years later after i fast forward i know so much about ads at this time uh let's just set up the best ultra best landing page with the best offer you could not possibly deny this the best ad the best ad copy and let's just run it boom i run it and i remember waking up in the morning or uh waiting uh waiting all the way to that nightfall and checking the page and zero dollars worth of sales even though i'm structuring everything so beautifully in the moment uh and just running this cold traffic to it um and this is a process of mine that lasted for two years straight for two years straight okay but i think things began to spin in my head ideas had begun to change in my head when i was listening to a podcast i think by frank kern and he said um sales because mind you i'm really branding and identifying myself as a marketer at this point um he said sales is everything that happens when they hit the land page and buy that's a sales process and then he said marketing is everything that happens beforehand right sorry uh my my podcast was interrupted by amber alert from coronavirus um but you know he said everything that happens before the sales page is marketing and, um, you know, that includes pre-indoctrination and indoctrination. And I was like, okay, well, I don't know what you're talking about, Frank Kern, because I'm doing all that. I'm running ads. That's that's marketing. That's marketing, right? And then I remember waiting even uh, keep. I kept up with the process of months and months and months in time of just running ads and trying to wake up in the morning and uh, thinking that the business would have sales. The business would be successful, um, particularly in these pockets of time where birthdays and holidays, like I said, will come up and it was crunch time. And I'm just trying to get... A quick grab of money. Um, and then I remember a few months later, and this is kind of where it hit me like a bag of stones on top of the head or a bag of potatoes, whatever you want to call it. 
I remember, um, you know, Stephen Larson was talking about, you know, why he wasn't successful for the, his initial two years as a marketer or a business owner or whatever. And uh, he, I said, I remember him talking. I don't remember the story exactly, but he was walking down the street and he was listening to a podcast or something himself. And somebody said, OK, there's a difference between sales and marketing, just like Frank Kern had said to me. And uh, I hadn't understood it when Frank Kern said it. But Frank, you know, Stephen Larson explaining a, a similar story kind of, you know, back to me, kind of because it is an epiphany bridge story, gave me that epiphany of the difference between sales and marketing. And he said, marketing is not an ad. That is an element of marketing, but marketing is not an ad, which was the entire thing I've been doing the entire time, which kind of opened my eyes and I cocked my head and had a little curiosity for a second. Then he said, what marketing really is about is about campaigns, right? And then he began to break down what a campaign was. Seven day launches, 30 day campaigns. And then you fast forward a little bit later and I'm watching with my own eyes, and this is what drove the nail in the coffin, the Traffic Secrets campaign that Russell Bunsen ran. He literally talked up, up, up this book, Traffic Secrets. He talked about this book for two years before he ever released it. Emails. I I known about this book two years and heard about it over and over and over again and over and before he ever released it. And really just now, as in just this week, it kind of solidified in my mind, okay, this is a campaign. This is marketing. This is what all is about. I remember clicking through his story. He's saying, man, I blew through 10,000 copies in 24, 10,000 copies of the Traffic Secrets book was sold in 24 hours. Those are the results that I expected. But I realized something was different about the way he had done it. He had dug his well. He had prepared that campaign for two whole years. It was in my mind, like, I really, you know how Aang, when he goes into the Avatar State, he could see all the other uh, Avatar statues. I looked at every other campaign that he and Stephen Larson and Frank Kern had done throughout all time. And I realized, wait, these campaigns, these funnels are long processes that happen over a long span of time. And it was at that moment it clicked in my head. Okay, campaigns take time. But why hadn't I perceived that before is what I was wondering. Why hadn't I perceived that before? And so now I move forward and I'm in the midst of structuring a campaign for this book company uh, or this ghostwriting company where we write sales memoirs, memoir launch. Okay, and, uh, you know, if you want to be part of the campaign, if you want, uh, we're not all assembled and all ready to go just yet. But if you want a book or sales memoir, rather, written for you that, um, you know, congeals a tribe, congeals a community and helps impact people with your message, um, go to memoirlaunch.com slash launch list. You'll have to take a little quiz to see if we're even a good fit together. But uh, after that, you can, you know, enter your email address. It's a first come first serve basis. And when we actually get everything together, when we actually launch, we'll hit you up and uh, get on a phone call and see what we can do for you. Okay. So that's memoirlaunch.com slash launch list. Um, you join the launch list, you'll get emails and about how to publish, self-publishing, all, all types of cool stuff. But this is not what that's about. Okay. But anyway, I realized, okay, campaigns take time. And uh, it kind of put me in a retrospective state uh, or in- introspective state. Like, what was wrong with me that entire time when I thought that marketing or campaigns was just sending out ads or wake up in the morning sending out ads? And I really started to think about it, you know, kind of just within this last few days. I remember, you know, as I said in the first four episodes of this podcast, I remember being in a competitive state of mind. And a competitive state of mind is associated with unwellness. I remember being driven, at least in part, more so now than 
you know, or more so then than now, at least, by panic, fear, you know, anxiety, a desire to escape the situation that I was in. I remember every single campaign felt urgent. Like I just had to get it out. Like I just had to, you know, it, 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 I, I felt like at all times, like I was in jeopardy. If this campaign doesn't work now, then I'll have to wait and I have to go back to job. I'll have to go through the ringer before I actually get thing, you know, get the money that I need. First off, look at the competitive mindset. I was all about the money that I need. You know, and that's a symptom of something. I'm going to tell you what's a, a symptom of right now. But look at that panic. I want it now. I want instant gratification. What is that a symptom of? Okay. The problem was if you fast forward back to the very beginning, I was really unwell. And long story short, as I said in the last podcast episode, essentially what unwellness is, is a short-sightedness. And if you're short-sighted, you're unable to serve. If you're unwell, you're unable to serve at your maximum capacity. Okay, think about it like this. When I said a short sightedness, I broke it down like this in the last episode. Okay, a short sightedness is like um, when you're depressed, when you're in panic, when you're living a life that you want to escape from, when you're unwell in your mind. You don't eat healthy foods generally. I remember when I was, you know, unwell, you know, my junior year of high school, I wasn't feeling the best and I was living a life that I really wanted to escape for the majority of the time. And I, I wasn't feeling good every day. What I would do is I would go to the local 7-Eleven and I'll binge on all the worst snacks that I could find. And why would somebody ever do something like that? Why does it general, generally, that's what Americans do. Okay, because when you're unwell and therefore short-sighted and you're thinking about everything in the moment, you cannot see the merits of something that will give you long-term results. If you're looking at a carrot, if your if your vision only encompasses the moment, you're looking at a carrot in your hand and you're looking at a bag of Cheetos in the other hand. In the moment, which one is better? If we're just talking about in the moment, a bag of Cheetos, right? Because it'll give you a good taste. You say, oh, a carrot has all these health benefits that you'll live long and enjoy a good future and you'll be fit. But those are elements of the future, not of the moment. Short sightedness cannot see the, the, the goodness that is delivered from a carrot long term because you're short-sighted you're living in the moment people will always say that billionaires or people who are rich they think long term whereas poor people think in the moment we think from day to day billionaires have a five-year 10-year 15-year plan they're thinking long ahead of the curve and that's how they're able to survive but it's because they have a greater degree of wellness okay in the moment Cheetos look better because on the moment you can't measure the long-term effects. All you can measure is what you taste and what you experience right now. And me being in a position where I was working that job, where, where I was, I was, I was, I was trying to escape from that life. I was thinking day to day. And so I could not perceive the idea of extending a campaign and extending the result of cash into the future. I wanted instant gratification. And so my campaigns, you can't run a campaign, a long-term campaign, if you have an unwell mindset because you want everything now. You want instant gratification now. What the rat is is right now. You can't fathom the fact that, okay, if I stretch this out, the results down the road will be more fruitful. Okay? You know, if you're unwell, you want to win the lottery. 
You're not worried about, you want a big bag of cash now. You know, it was a little uh, situation on, uh, I believe, Vlad TV, where uh, it was the guy that played in Lion King. Uh, instead of taking $2 million up front, what he did was, okay, uh, I'm going to take $100,000 up front, but uh, y'all can just pay me royalties throughout time. Those are decisions made by a well mind. You care about more like about making an asset that pays you over time than getting a big bag up front. Most people would never just say, hey, give me, you know, give me the royalties, give me long term payment. You know, that's why most people don't invest. Like uh, Warren Buffett said, most people don't want to get rich slow. They don't want to invest in stocks. But he does it all day because he's gotten to a position where he's well enough to perceive, Okay, the future might matter. That's why people take out loans. Screw it. I want the money right now. Give me a lump sum up front. I don't want to wait to the future. And that's how kind of how my mind was running. At the time, it was a short sightedness. And mind you, not only is a short sighted, it is a short sightedness in terms of how you perceive, you know, uh, your, you want instant gratification rather, but it's a short sightedness in how you perceive the world around you at large. Okay. And so I was looking at the world. Like I said, uh, there's a Maslow's periarchy and a hierarchy of needs. It pretty much determines how well you are as a human being. Uh, and how well you are determines your motivation. So it's a period of pyramid of motivation. At the bottom of the pyramid, you're worried about, you know, uh, physiological needs being met, food and water. And then it's the safety needs above that. I broke this in the last episode. That's why I'm going fast with it. Safety needs go above that. You're worried about being safe. Okay. And these two bottom levels, you're short-sighted because you're unwell. You don't have your needs met. And so you're not even perceiving that other people in the world exist. Okay. You go to the next level, love and belonging. You become more well. You realize other people exist and you want things from them. The next level, prestige. You realize other people exist and you care about their thoughts and opinions. You get to the top of the pyramid, self-transcendence. You go beyond yourself. You can think about other people. But in the very beginning, you know, and, that, and that's why campaigns, the, the entire idea behind a campaign is that you thought about the fact, you know, you, 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 you're, you can see far enough away from your own self-centeredness to see that other people, how other people will react to what it is that uh, you have. It's like you're courting somebody. If you're self-centered, if you're short-sightedness, you won't have the, you, you'll go up and you'll be like, hey, can you get married or can, can we, you know, do the dirty right now? You know what I'm saying? You'll think, you'll think about one night stands and things like that. But if you're well, you'll realize, okay, you know, when people have one night stands and they're well, and I get that. But just for example, if you're well, you understand that, okay, the average person wants to be courted and they want to develop and feel, you know, develop a comfortability into this process that you're bringing them along in. But people who are short-sightedness, people who are in panic, they can't think that, okay, people on the internet, once they see my ads, you're only thinking about yourself. You're only thinking about the profit that you can make. You're not even thinking about them. But the moment you think about them, it kind of comes to sense in your mind that, okay, people want to be courted. People want the relationship to build. People won't instantly congeal to my ideas no matter how good they are. Same way I haven't to theirs when I've seen ads on the internet. I only understood marketing and I didn't understand marketing at all because campaigns are a majority of marketing. I only still understood running ads because I was short-sightedness and I didn't understand. I didn't empathize with other people and understand other people, the nature of them to the point where I understood they wanted long-term courtship. They wanted campaigns that bought them for 30 or 60 or 90 or 120 days in order to get to that purchase. Okay, I only understood what I wanted right here, right now. And that's the point I'm trying to bring. Okay, what happens when you're unwell in life is that everything shrinks. The intervals that you are willing to wait, 
you know, to get the rewards, you want shrinks. Like I said in the last podcast, the test with the children, man, uh, and I, I'm going to skim over this because I said it in the last podcast, but the children were given an option. You know, it, it was a study they did with children. They gave them a cookie and said, hey, if you want to take, uh, if you want to, if you want to eat this cookie now, you can. But if you wait till I get back, I'll give you two cookies. The ones who waited till they got back, who exhibited symptoms of wellness, they did way better in life because they were able to empathize with people later down the line and therefore bring people into their opportunity the right way. Instead of just, boom, this is what I want right now. I'm going to have it my way right now. If you're short-sighted, if you're short-tempered, then you can't really have success. If you're unwell, then you can't really have success. And so here's the thing that I go through a lot that I was just about to go through birthdays, all these things come up and you freak out. You're like, man, I'm going to build a funnel. I'm going to run ads and we'll try to get the sale right now. Two years I spent doing that and it never worked. But when things like, you know, this virus pop up and payments are due and I have to get these payments out or else I'm going to get crushed, it puts me in a state of panic. You know, where I'm feeling on a regular day where I'm relaxed, I'm moving slow, I'm thinking slow, I'm relaxed, I'm calm. I can perceive the future because I'm well. You know, I'm at the top of the pyramid. I'm at self-transcendence. But the moment you feel like, okay, a payment is due soon and I don't know how to pay it, you go into a panic. You panic about a virus. You panic about all these different things. You get removed from the top of that pyramid and you get placed at a level of safety needs or physiological needs. You feel like everything above the pyramid, you know, prestige and love and belonging, it becomes irrelevant and you feel threatened. You feel like, okay, is my family going to make it? You get knocked down to safety needs instantly. And so I felt the, you know, the impact of that. And my heart rate started to pick up. And I was like, man, I got to make these payments. I'm going to do something very quick right now just to get these payments in the door just to make it. And look at even the mindset just to get these payments in the door. I instantly switched back to a competitive mindset. I got to survive. I got to win. Me, 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 me. I don't care about everybody else. Instead, the right way to do things was just to relax. Two years you tried that way and two years it didn't work. But now in the, in the phrase of a crisis, you want to revert back to that, that which has never worked. I have to slow down. I have to calm. I have to, I have to be, I have to keep long sight. My, you know, I, can, I have to keep my future sight. I have to keep my future vision, my, my long sightedness. I can't become short sighted in a moment like this or I'll fail as I've always had. I have to calm down and think and still be able to collaborate and empathize with people and see the long-term solutions that I can, you know, can, 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 can employ. No matter what, the ca- I still have to put out long-term campaigns in order to get, you know, to hit the marks. And maybe the campaign's short, maybe not 30-day campaigns, maybe they're five or six or seven-day rollouts. But they're necessary to build the relationships and build the bonds and get the results that I want. I have to see beyond myself. I have to see beyond my own self-centeredness, which is short-sightedness. I have to be able to see how I can solve problems for people within this moment, within this pandemic, in order to reap rewards for myself. If I just think about solving problems for myself, then I can never profit in any means or any in any way because I'm not accurately solving the problems of people outside of my own, outside of my own head, outside of my own domain. And the business fails because what does business do? It solves problems for other people. Okay, so don't let this... Don't don't let these situations speed up your heart rate, speed up your thinking and shorten your sight and narrow your vision. Remain calm. Keep your long term vision. Take your time with the solutions that you come up with. Don't try to bust a quick move to pay your rent or pay your bill. Slow down. Slow down. 
Think long term. Think beyond the moment. Don't think just to the end of the month. You know, and I, you know, I don't know if I'm the most professional person to be giving this advice, but this is just something I feel like I could help people that that could probably help people with some ideas that I feel like could help people because it was, uh, you know, multiple birthdays, multiple Christmases. I missed the mark because I didn't just slow down and think, okay, let me take everything, you know, with the proper time. Let me run campaigns. Let me not just run an ad and try to get as much money as possible. It'll never work. Let me run. Let me structure a campaign that and this is long sighting is that you know solves the problems of the people that I'm looking you know to solve with accuracy okay because I'm looking and caring and empathizing with them and not panicking and shrinking and trying to survive and going to survivor mode about the situation that I'm you know that I might be facing okay uh let's not get knocked down from you know self mastery or self transcendence the top of the mass hierarchy into a place of survival, in place of safety needs, in a place of physiological needs, and all that. You got to keep a clear head to weather the storm. Um, and that's what I realized. And um, that translates to a lot of things, you know, even in terms of, you know, memoir launch. You know, we don't just write books for people. We, 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 we manage six-month campaigns. Six-month campaigns. Okay, what is the central idea of your book? Okay, and who who do you want to impact? Who do you want to cultivate as a tribe with that central idea? How how what, whose lives do you want to impact with that central idea that is representative of your life? Okay? And then you got to dig the well before you put out that central idea. The moment we start writing, you know, we won't take 6 months to finish your book. But look, you got to start instantly telling people, "Hey, we got a book on the way. We got a book on the way." Build up an email list of people who are excited to get your book, who are excited to learn this epiphany that you've been holding on for this entire time. You know, start building your culture, start building the people around you. You know, who are the people that you can collaborate with and help them out who can be partners in promoting your book? You know what I'm saying? Who are the partners? Who, who, who is Russell Brunson called? Who's your dream 100? You know, start interacting with them right now. And so, when you announce six months from now when the books will ship out like Russell Brunson did, you can begin to get, you know, you've dug your well, you've amped people up, you've had a six month long campaign and people are excited to get this thing in their hands. And uh, when you launch, it's, just, it's inevitably a success. When you open the floodgates, people come pouring through instead of a bunch of people who never know, never knew you, never heard of you, weren't on your list or anything like that, you know, trying to, you know, you're trying to run cold ads to them when they're not even you haven't even courted them they're still cold traffic you didn't make them warm you didn't make them hot none of that still cold okay i've learned a lot from watching this traffic secrets campaign and i'm I'm really excited actually to run some campaigns for these for this next wave of stories that we're going to be coming out with here in the future with everybody who gets their uh, story their sales memoir written written through memoirlaunch.com um so if you're interested in getting your sales memoir written through uh us at um memoirlaunch.com um, like I said, we don't have all the pieces to assemble yet. You know, we're, re- we're writing for some people, you know, to be honest. But, uh, you know, we don't have all the, you know, the everything assembled to do this in mass quite yet. And so when we open the floodgates, if you're interested in having your sales memoir written, you know, so that you can begin to build a tribe, build a culture around your business, around your ideas, behind your identity uh, and impacting people within that tribe and within the world, if you're interested in creating a mass movement around the things that you feel, 
and you want to be one of the first people because, you know, it's first come, first serve. Whoever joins this list, we're going to hit them up first in chronological order to get on a call and, you know, decide how we can structure this campaign, this six-month campaign for them. If you want to be first in line, go to memoirlaunch.com slash launch list. And uh, there you can join the list. And um, when you join the list uh, and when we open the floodgates and start putting out these stories into the world, we're going to hit you up. We're going to get you know get on a phone call and talk to you about it. But uh, if you're not you know, one of the first 10, 20, 30 people on the list, it might take a while. So it's first come, first serve. I, I really recommend you go and sign up right now. We cannot handle... When we open the floodgates, we cannot handle uh, a mass of people just pouring in. And so we're going to get the first wave out the way first. And so if you're interested in being in that first wave, in that first couple of people, go to memoirlaunch.com slash launch list. Uh, there'll be a test before you get to the last page. And just so we can verify if we're a good fit at all to work together, because not everybody has idea. Uh, not everybody integrates well with, you know, the way we do things. And so uh, be wary of that. But um yeah, memoirlaunch.com slash launch list. Uh, I really look forward to putting your story out into the world and building a tribe, building a movement, building a campaign around that, which it is that you do. Okay. But that's all I really have to say today, man. Think about it. You know, be, be alpha. Think about an alpha wave versus a beta wave. A beta wave, you know, there's not a lot of, you know, uh, space between the crest and the trials or really between the crest, between the peaks of the wave. The wave is going very fast. It's very jitterly, jitterly. But a delta wave, I mean, not a delta wave, an alpha wave, which is a calm, you know, the brain waves you send out when you're calm and relaxed. There is a lot of space between the highs and, you know, each high. Um, it's very calm. It's very slow moving. You know, and alphas win at life. They're very calm, very slow moving. And that calmness, that stillness allows them to have future sight, allows them to operate in times of crisis and still win and so uh yeah that's really all i have to say today my my name is dallas prater this is the grand design podcast i appreciate you designers so much for watching let's continue even this time uh, you know uh, that might be tough for some people to design and make things come together beautifully thank you peace out i'll talk to you in the next one hey what is up everybody i'm coming on for a, you know a few seconds more because i think i found a better way to kind of communicate what i'm saying in this process here you know, when you kind of go into a panic, when you kind of, you know, bump down from your self-mastery into a place of survival, a place of safety, worry about your safety needs, your brain kind of goes into an animalistic mode that's kind of focused on survival. You know, you go to an abundance mindset where you see um, the rewards and the merits of life and the opportunities that are ahead of you into like uh, a more of a scarcity mindset where only thing you can focus on is the scarcity of resources, of threats, you know, you lose sight of what's, you know, the opportunities ahead of you and you become more risk averse. The only thing you can try to do is mitigate risk, mitigate risk, survive, 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 survive. You know, um, same way, you know, you look at society and look at people who don't really have a lot, including myself. And, you know, the things we focus on all day is kind of like, okay, let's mitigate risk. Let's save money. Let's try not to lose money. Let's not try to lose them. Let's try to lose them. Save, 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 save. Oh, I spent some there. Oh, I lost a little bit. You focus on the losses that you accumulate. But the more you head up in life, you know, you'll see people like at the top of the game. And that's why they say the rich get richer. Because the rich, once they get rich, or when they're on their way to riches, they have like a their mindset. They can see, you know, that short, you know, the, the, the unwellness begins to cease. And they have more of a long-term vision. And so when the rich get rich and they develop that long-term, that future sight, they can make better decisions to make themselves richer. Where, you know, that'll come, you know, only the rich, you know, really look at 
things like investment opportunities. Think about when you get rich, you have a long-term site, you know, long-term future site. Then you can begin to fathom things like, okay, I'm going to put twenty thousand dollars, and it's going to leave my bank account and go into this property. But this property will recoup that, you know, that price over years and years and years. Like they'll look at the rewards of future investments, whereas you know, people who don't really have that level of wellness, maybe they'll look at the rewards that they can get out of their opportunities right now. They can't really perceive the idea of losing money to gain it back, putting off, you know, rewards to gain greater rewards later. It's kind of like a foreign concept, you know, but the more you become more advanced, the more you become more well, the more you become adept, the more things begin to slow down and you can make more calm, tranquil, less panicked, more informed, better rewarding decisions. Okay, the animal brain starts to turn off. You start to get out of survival mode and you can see, you know, opportunity again instead of risk. The risk kind of stops blocking the opportunity. You kind of see the way a little bit more. Um, I remember as a wrestler, you know, freshman year, man, I would go into these and I hardly even remember these matches because when I would go into each match, the animal brain would turn on and I would just freak out. It would be kind of like a scramble or a free-for-all wildness. Because I didn't have a lot of knowledge. And it was kind of like immediately I was just in a panic. I was going to fight for my life. Um, and I didn't really know what to do. Okay. Um, and so the situation is like, I, like that was just breeze blot by. It would just be a snapshot of images that I would have in my head as a memory when I got home. And I didn't really know what happened. But if you played sports, you understand what I mean. Like uh, sophomore year, it got a little slower. You know, junior year, it got really slow. And senior year... Now I'm in the middle of the matches and I'm so calm and so tranquil. And uh, I'm thinking so many steps ahead of my opponent because, you know, I'm that advanced. I'm that adept. I'm no longer in a fight for survival. And things become slow to the point where it's just like you can hear your coach clearly. You can you can focus on things. There's a clarity of all the events happening outside of the match that you're in. You know, like things just slowed down entirely and the crowds became vivid. As I got more depth, as I got more skill, the coach became more vivid. You know, I can premeditate my actions. You know, I could go in on a shot with the idea that a shot is like when you go and try to take down someone in wrestling with the idea that, okay, he's going to probably do this, but I got something else prepared for him. It's not just a freak out, a knee jerk reaction, knee jerk decision, you know, which is assimilated or which is associated with some of the, you know, uh, with, 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 I don't know whether it's unwellness or not, but, you know, unwellness. You know, things become more long-term, the better you get. And uh, I, th- I just you know, I just thought it was important. Message. But like I said, man, thanks so much for listening, man. This is Dallas from uh, the Grand Design Podcast, man. I'll talk to you later. Thanks.